Well, welcome to Sunday morning here. Guy is actually in the Midwest. He's at a wedding, um, and he's not performing the wedding. He just gets to go and be a attendee and uh, just celebrate with family. So that's pretty awesome. Um, I really never thought I would be here standing in front of you guys giving a sermon, um, but yet this is my second time now. So uh, just kind of as... <laughs> As my sermon has gone and like writing through it and everything like that, uh, God has a plan, and uh, my plan doesn't usually match up with His plan, and He wins. So that's just kind of how it goes. Um, so as I talked about in my first sermon, public speaking freaks me out. There's not many things that freak me out, but standing in front of a big group of people um, that freaks me out. My mom was just shaking her head, and she's like, "No." There's not many things that freak him out, um, but it's one of those things. Uh, so I want to give you guys a little background as to how I got here for this sermon today. Um, we're not going into the Psalms, so sorry to say, you know, the series is now broken. I'm sorry. Um, but God has been laying this on my heart basically since my sermon last year. Um, so it's been a... a work in the making. Um, But as I was getting ready for the new ministry year, the new school year, uh, I had a plan as to where we wanted to go within youth group. And I had a series planned out. I had discussions planned out. And then through prayer and being like, okay, God, where do you want the youth to go within this series? And he said, my plan is different. So you're going to work your way through the book of John one chapter a week until you're done. Or dead. Um, <laughs> hopefully not dead, Jill. <laughs> but it worked out perfectly. His plan was more perfect than my plan could have been. Uh, just to kind of show the perfectness of God's plan for the youth and just leading us through that series, um, when Holy Week happened, that was the week that we were going through the Holy Week story. I could not have planned that because we had some breaks in there for other things, and it just worked out perfectly. Um, so as we're going through this, this series um, in the book of John, um, we, we saw a theme that John had laid out throughout the entire book, and that is to believe. Not merely to believe in God, but to believe God. What he says is true. And that was just amazing to me, just to see this this theme that had worked its way through. So John writes about how and why we need to believe. And he uses the word believe more than any other book in the New Testament. Um, He's trying to show us, his readers, uh, that believe is an extension of the word faith. And you can't have one without the other. You see, believe is a verb. It's, It's an action word. And faith, it's a noun. So we can show our faith through believing. So John uses this word a lot. He uses believe a lot throughout the entire book of John. Uh, 
And it starts in John chapter 1, verse 7. And I wanted to read that to you today. So he started this this theme and it, it just kept going. John chapter 1, it says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. So we have that. That's the first time that, God, that John talks about believing. And then we get to uh, John 3.16, which is actually the 10th time that John had said believe. And you all know that one, but we might as well read it because it's Jesus speaking. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So John uses this word believe a lot. We, we're already at the 10th time. Uh, throughout the entire book, it's actually 83 times he uses the word believe. Um, I looked up how many times he uses the word faith, but I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that's more than any other book in the New Testament, and I think it's about 30 times more than any other book in the New Testament. So John wants us to believe in order to show the world around us how amazing God is. I'm reminded of a story. I've heard this story before. If you've heard it, don't stop me because I'm going to tell it anyways. Um, there was a man in the, the mid-1800s, and he had the crazy idea that he wanted to walk across a tightrope that went across the Niagara River right next to Niagara Falls. Uh, his nickname was Blondie uh, because he had long, flowing blonde hair. Um, I can't pronounce his name. It's French, and I don't even want to try. I looked at it on the screen just to remind myself, and I was like, no chance. Um, not going to happen. But Blondie had this... this crazy idea to tightrope walk across Niagara Falls. So this rope was about three inches in diameter. Um, they got it across the Niagara River, starting three miles upriver, um, in order to actually make it to the other side without going off the falls. Uh, and the total distance was about 1,000 feet. In the middle of this rope, there was about a 60-foot sag in the middle of the line. So it kind of looked like a parenthesis laying on its side. Uh, and he got a whole crowd to, to show up, and this rope was, was pretty steep on either side. So you could see the U. But he, he tried to get the crowd to, to get around him and be like, yeah, we think you can make it across. We think you can make it across. And then he did it. He crossed, the, he crossed Niagara Falls. It took about 17 minutes to go one way. So this is a long trip. Uh, I, I'm guessing it was pretty nerve-wracking at the time. You really didn't want to have any wind come up. Um, so in that 17 minutes, he took a break partway through, laid down on the rope, you know, did the whole, uh, I'm a tightrope walker, watch me balance on one foot kind of a thing. Uh, and he made it to the other side. And then you hear just cheers go crazy. So then he walked back. Took him not nearly as long to come back. Uh, but once he got back to the other side, he was like, 
do you guys think I can do this again? And the whole cheer, the whole crowd just erupts. And he's like, okay, okay. Who thinks I can do it with somebody on my back? And everyone's like, yeah, totally, I think you can do it. And then he asked for a volunteer. (laughs) And the whole crowd went dead silent. (laughs) So, you see, believing in someone requires action. And Blondie Blondie found that out. Uh, If you go farther into his story, he does do different variations of this, not at this one time, but later in history. And um, he does end up carrying someone across on his back. It was his manager. He roped him into it. I don't know how he did it, but he did. Uh, so belief requires action. You've got to walk the walk in order to talk the talk. Or maybe you should reverse that and say you've got to talk the talk in order to walk the walk. So why do we believe? As I said before, John wants us to believe not simply in God, but to believe God. By believing God, believing in him is, uh, sorry, believing that, <laughs> thanks. Um, so we should believe that his speaking is his doing. Just as Blondie was saying, he, he knew he could do it, but, but no one believed him yet. John wants us to show the world that faith has action, that faith is not stagnant. And when we have action, we believe. So how do we get to this point of passionately believing that God is who he says he is? To believe God, we have to have faith that he is who he says he is. That the God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush, that story just in general just blows my mind every single time, is the I am that speaks to us today. So God has led me on a journey to get to this point, and he used the word believe in order for me to get to the topic that we're going to talk about a little bit more today. Um, It's been on a journey. It's been a year, um, and he has laid it on my heart for a long time to talk about faith. Um, When we were going through confirmation, kind of threw out a discussion one day so that we could all take a spiritual gifts test. And, you know, it's great to see how God has gifted all the teens uh, here at our church. But something that I always score really high in is faith. So this is a gift that God has given me. He's given me a call, and he's laid this on my heart to talk about today. So who am I to say no to God? (laughs) I I routinely think that. Like, who am I to say no? Uh, So today we're going to look at what having an authentic faith looks like. So these two words, believe and faith, they're linked. You cannot have one without the other, and they reinforce each other. So they're kind of parallel words that have the same definition, or not really the same definition, but they they back each other up. Um, So here's your neighbor question. We haven't gotten to the actual scripture yet today, Um, so get ready because I'm asking the question ahead of time. 
What does being authentic look like? So go ahead and discuss with your neighbor, and then I'll ask for some answers. All right. So I'm starting to hear the murmurs go down a little bit. So, so what do you guys think? What, what does authentic look like? Or what does being authentic look like? We got to be yourself. What's up, Steph? Cool. I like that one. All right. Being real. So you're being real. Yeah. What you see is what you get. There's no masks there. No. So that, that is one of those things that, that my generation looks for. Uh, I'm, I'm a part of this millennial generation that nobody understands. <laughs> but one of the things that we really look for is being authentic, um, is being real. I know when I look for like starting a new friendship or looking for a group of people to be a part of, I'm looking for people to be authentic, to be genuine, and to be real. So then we can go and have conversations, whether it's good or bad or anything in between. Um, kind of those conversations that you have with your best friend that you've known for a long time. But if you can have that right off the bat, then you know it's going to be a good friendship. Um, so that's, that's what being authentic is to me. It's to be real and to be yourself. Um, so then having a, an authentic faith starts with the living word. We all have access to it. Um, I like the paper version, personally. Uh, for some reason, I just like the smell of ink on a page. Um, but I also feel that these pages are more real when you can hold them than when you can flip through them on your phone or your device. Um, for some reason, my brain just actually takes it in when it's in paper form. Um, but the convenience of it being on your phone is amazing. Uh, so it's always with me. I can always look it up. Um, so if it, if it speaks to you through digital form, I'm jealous <laughs> is basically what I'm saying. Um, so if you guys want to go to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we're going to get into our verses. We're just going to start right at the beginning of the chapter so you don't have to look for any, any verses. It's also printed in your bulletin. So if you would like to go to verse 1, um, that's where we're starting. All right. Last night, my wife and I practiced that maybe she would speak and then I would speak, and I don't think we actually decided who was going to do that, so I'll just read the, read the scriptures. Um, the writer of Hebrews says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. 
By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So the writer of Hebrews, he was writing to a very specific group of believers at that time. Um, they, they were in Rome, and they were being persecuted for their faith. And he knew that they were going through hard times. He knew that being a believer of Christ at that time was not easy. And he's trying to write these verses to remind, and more the entire chapter of, uh, of Hebrews 11, to remind those believers that God is there and God is faithful. And, um, and we just need to have that same faith. Um, so the government of Rome, they were persecuting Christ followers. And it was definitely not a convenient time to be a follower of Christ. So being a follower and having faith, you're going to go through tough times. So then what is authentic faith? What does that look like? Authentic faith is the confident, the confident assurance of events not yet seen. It is a real, it is unperfect, it is happy, exciting, frustrating. It's a perfect relationship with our God because he planned it that way. Faith, oh, wait. faith is that we trust God. He is the creator, and he had made everything out of nothing. There's a theological term, it's called ex nihilo, and that means out of nothing. And that's referring to the creation story in Genesis, um, that God made everything out of nothing. He spoke it into existence. So since he created all of this, everything we see outside out of nothing, we can trust him that he is who he says he is and that he is leading us in his way. So faith is one of these crazy things. Like, we all have faith. We know that God exists, but faith is not stagnant. It acts. It causes us to act. So will we get it perfect every time? No. <laughs> the, the simple answer is no. We won't get, get it right every time. But that's because we're not perfect. Christ was perfect. He's the one that bridged that gap to, for us so that we could follow him. If we put our faith into action and believe God, we are doing as the ancients did. And we're going to look at that here in just a minute. So what an amazing example the writer of Hebrews has given us. And that's one of the crazy things is Hebrews, it has this theme that's woven all the way from the beginning to the end, but yet we have no idea who actually wrote Hebrews. There's theories. Um, it's pretty much been ruled out that Paul did not write Hebrews, um, but there's all kinds of theories as to who wrote Hebrews. But it was definitely somebody who... Um, who was a brilliant speaker, and he knew exactly what 
the believers, um, the Jewish believers needed to hear. So he reminds us over and over again that the ancients have an unbreakable faith. It was by faith that Abel brought a better offering to God than Cain. And it was by faith that Abel was found to be righteous by God. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from from a flood, from something that had never happened in history. He believed that what God told him was going to happen. So faith acts. It was by faith that Abraham Abraham, that Abraham uh, obeyed God and left his home to go to another land. I can't I can't imagine what what Abraham's family was thinking when Abraham was like, "Okay, we're going to move. Let's go." Um, but it was by faith that that Abraham followed God to a land where his inheritance would be, and Abraham believed that. God had an inheritance for him there. So faith acts. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child when she was barren and couldn't have a child. Um, I, I remember that, that story that you know, she actually kind of laughed at the angel that said, you're going to have a child. And she's like, are you kidding me? No, but, but she believed that God would keep his promise to her. So faith acts. All of these ancients died still believing that God had promised them would come true. We can see this over and over again throughout the entire Bible, that faith acts. And the, the ancients had this unbreakable faith um, that, that allowed us to be able to see it. So all of these ancients, they walked the walk and talked the talk as to who God is and what he does. I mean, Noah built this giant boat that was probably in his front yard at the time. Um, at least that's what I envisioned in my head. And it was definitely against the norm. He's building this giant ship of, you know, telling everybody a flood's going to come. And they're like, are you kidding me? Like, We've never had this before. Who told you a flood is going to come and you're building this giant boat? Um, but yet, he was countercultural and he didn't fit in with society. And he was faithful to what God had told him, just like all the other ancients. And I'm calling them ancients because, I mean, this is over 2,000 years ago probably closer to 3,000 years ago. That's pretty ancient in my brain, um, in my mind. So these guys are a great example that even though we may be countercultural and we're going to stand out because of our faith, uh, to continue to have that faith, that even when it is rocky, even when it is hard, even when people don't like what you're saying because... God has told you something different, um, that we can still have faith. So fitting in, you know, it's, it's one of these things that in youth ministry, you're always trying to find identity and show students where they can find their identity. I don't think that's a, 
strictly uh, the, like a strict theme for adolescence. We all want to fit in. We all want to have friendships um, and relationships with people. It's an all-ages thing. Being able to fit in is, is something for all ages. Um, and in order to fit in, sometimes we have to conform. But that's not what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to be different. And through that faith, we will be different. Um. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's that authenticity he was talking about just a bit ago. <laughs> I got it. We're good. Cool. We got gotcha. you. So, got it. Uh, so our faith leads us to act. It leads us to act out of from what the norm is. And that faith in God of believing what God is telling us and acting on that, that is our faith in action. So there's there's another term that I'm reminded of. I get reminded of a lot of things when I'm, Writing, uh, writing a sermon down, which is strange because now this is the second time. So I can say it's happened more than once, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, this is not a fluke. Um, so that's really cool. But there's, there's a term that, that I've, I'm reminded of, of if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck and looks like a duck, what is it? It's a duck. Unless you're in Sunday school, then it's Jesus the Bible, God, or the Holy Spirit. Anywhere else, it's a duck. So then, if it walks like a non-believer and talks like a non-believer and looks like a non-believer, what do you have? It, it kind of depends. <laughs> but... There's a guy that I've seen speak a few times, and his story is amazing. Uh, his name is Shane Claiborne. If you've heard of him, his story is just, the only word for it is amazing. Um, he's a younger guy, but when he was in college, he, that's when he truly found God. He, like Growing up, he went through youth group, and he, um, he committed his life to Christ, and he recommitted his life to Christ pretty much every camp that came through. But he really found God and really found Jesus in college. And that's when he says Jesus wrecked his world. You know, he was trying to strive to be the most successful and bring home all the money. And then Jesus just wrecked his world. And the part that really got to him was when Christ says, if you want to live, first you must die 
to yourself. And that has shaped his entire life. So what did he do at that moment? He, he wanted to get closer to Christ. He wanted to be as close to Christ as possible and see that God is working in a bigger way outside of the city that he was in. He was in Philly at the time. So being a, in his youth and having crazy ideas and not knowing that you know, crazy ideas don't necessarily work all the time, he just went for that crazy idea, which is a great gift to have. Um, so he wanted to see God working outside of his city. He wanted to see God working in big ways. So what does Shane do? Shane writes a letter to Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And then he calls her on the phone. <laughs> when he called her on the phone, she actually answered and said, Hello, this is Mother Teresa. And through some conversation, he's like, I want to come and I want to serve with you. And I want to see how faith works in the real world. And she was like, well, of course you can come. Just come. You don't need permission. Just come and serve with me. So he went and he served with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And one of the parts that just blows me away every time when I hear this story is seeing Mother Teresa's faith in action. And she would get, they would get all these um, donations to the orphanage. And one of the things that, that they would get is shoes. And, you know, she would always take the worst shoe because she was like, no one else should have a shoe that hurts their feet. If any, any of these kids have a shoe that hurts their feet, give it to me and I'll wear it instead. So she was, you know, being sacrificial. And Shane just talks about how her feet were all mangled and just kind of deformed because she would always take the worst part in order to um, just serve to the best of her ability. So th through serving with her, Shane found that God was at work. And he was at work in big ways. And that when you get as close to God as possible, then you can hear God's voice better. That you can see what he's trying to tell you and how he's trying to lead you. And that his, his way is better than our own. So then do you want to strengthen your faith? Do you want to have a faith that's as strong as Shane's to call Mother Teresa and go halfway across the world just to see her serving? Do you want to have a faith that is more outspoken? Being able to invite people to Christ. Being able to be countercultural. Do you want to have a faith that stands out from the crowd? Do you want to hear God's voice more easily in your life? a faith that is pleasing to God, much like Abel's was. If you want a faith like this, then you have to strengthen the knowledge of the object of your faith. Just like Shane did. Shane got as close to God as he possibly could. So he was strengthening the object of that faith. And if we want a stronger faith, we have to know our, our originating person better. So this is a life journey. 
Are we going to get perfect every time? No, we're not. But if we're striving to be as close to God as possible, we're going to get better every single time. What are some good ways that we can, we can get closer to God? Uh, we have this, this living word right here. Believe it or not, these pages are alive. They speak to you every time. Uh, and that's one of the things that it blows me away every time. You could, you could read the same verse every day for a year, and it would speak to you differently every single time. So we've got to use the living word in order to get closer to God. And at, just simply ask God to reveal himself in ways that we cannot explain away. I think we're all really good at being able to explain things to have them make sense. But God doesn't make sense. Shoot, God didn't make sense when I had everything planned out for an entire semester, and he's like, toss it out. My idea is better. It is. Every time. Um, so we've got to be obedient when God calls us. And we have to be faithful when he tells us something that we should be able to act on that. Because God will call, and he will call <laughs> us into something that maybe we're not ready for. Maybe that we're not thinking that's something we should do. I thought that for a long time with being able to deliver a sermon. I think Guy, Guy prodded me for about 10 years. Um, for me to get to this place. So some of us are a little more stubborn than others. Um, but eventually you will, you will see that, and faith acts. Faith moves forward. So I hope you guys are buckled up, um, because putting our trust in God to carry us through our lives, whether it's a good time in our life or a bad time in our life, or just kind of a neutral time some you don't you, you don't hear from god you you just want to hear god's voice and he's not there um but when we see the god of the heavens and the earth at work then we will get to see what he what he's telling us so having an authentic faith is not a shot in the dark it's not a lucky moment it is a response to the work that God is doing in your life over and over and over again. So walk the walk, talk the talk, and, um, and just have a faith that sets you apart. So I'm going to uh, lead us in a little bit of prayer at the end here. If uh, the worship team would like to come up, that would be, it would be a great time to do so. Because really, I just want to sing. That's really what it is. I'm going to turn my microphone off because you don't want to hear it. Uh, Father, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for, for leading us into things that we are not necessarily ready for, but, but you are there and you are leading. So when we are faithful to, to follow you, that's when we actually get to see you working in our life. And we get to have a response to what you have done. Uh, Father, I pray that as we 
as we come into worship, that we are just able to see you and hear your voice within within our souls. Amen.